Welcome to Course Stories, produced by the Instructional Design and New Media Team of EdPlus at Arizona State University. In this podcast, we tell an array of course design stories alongside other ASU Online designers and faculty. On today's course story... Everybody knows somebody who probably needs help with right. this stuff. Right. Never. It never ends. <laughs> it's an ongoing so, cycle. So this holiday season, uh, listeners, uh, give, the, give gift the gift of study hall. Of sharing a playlist. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mary Loader, an instructional designer from ASU Online. I'm Ricardo Leone. I'm a media specialist at the same place. Yeah, we work together. Let's get on with the show. Okay. Okay. Welcome back to Core Stories. <laughs> no. End of season. End of season. Episode two. Episode part two of oh, the part, big study enough. hall spectacular. That's right. Dun, da, da, da. Dun, da, da, da. As promised, we're going to focus. Let's start again. <laughs> <laughs> you want to finish chewing? Hey, first? this is Ricardo. <laughs> hey, this is Ricardo Leon. Hey, Ricardo. And I'm here with. Well, it's me, Mary. We work mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Oh, and- yeah. You introduce yourself in the opening. We're going to have to do a no opening for season five. We are. That includes. Liz. Oh, I spoke <laughs> over you. Sorry. Hi, it's me, Liz. And you are? I am a senior instructional designer and the pro- one of the producers for the Course Stories podcast. Yeah, we'll have to figure out a new opening that includes you. Yeah. I like it's being included in the opening now. Very, yeah. it's very, it makes it very official. The trial yeah. run is yeah, complete, yeah, yeah. I feel. Yeah, yeah you've passed all the tests. ready for this kind of commitment. And with us today to talk about the Study Hall Spectacular Part 2 Da-da-da-da. that is focused more on production than the other episode was is somebody who's very much the maven of production for Study Hall Please introduce yourself, Aubrey. <laughs> Hi, I'm Aubrey Holland. I am one of the, I guess you can say, study hall mavens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that term. Editor, post-production wizard. Yeah, I work on study hall. Essentially, you're in terms of production, you are the liaison between us and Complexly. In yes. terms of the production. Yeah. So what you want to tell us a little bit about what you do for study hall? Yeah, it's definitely changed quite a bit just even over this past year, but we definitely handle almost all of the post-production now for the episodes. I only say almost because, you know, we don't handle sound design, animation, obviously. But me and my team of now production assistants, Mm -hmm. we have Sakshi Banaj and Mm -hmm. Jack Solowitz on the team. And these are ASU students? Yes, these are ASU students. Awesome, helping me out so much. But our team, we first just edit through the rough cuts after we're done shooting, you know, a set of episodes um, Mm -hmm. from one of the. The director of photography on set. Yes. For the episodes that are shot at Tempe campus. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's also a really fun process just to, you know, pay really close attention to, you know, everything in view, just making sure all the little details, you know, the lights are on, on the bookshelves, nothing's, you know, like tilted weird. There's not like a straw sticking up from the host's cup. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) These things are actually talked about, not specific to what you're saying. So it's nice to hear the specifics, but like your work is highlighted in that conversation that we have later with uh, Caroline. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. And how great you guys are. (laughs) I was going to say, it sounds like Game of Thrones would have needed you to make sure that that Starbucks cup didn't make it on. Oh, that was a trick. They did that that. to get. Do you think so? I mean, they'd have to, right? They have so much time in post. They would have redone it. Yeah. Right. Or just like CGI that out. I know you would think, but it was yeah, synergistic because advertising. they didn't take yeah, it out. Starbucks, how much do they pay for that? Please, yeah, yeah. drop right. All right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, we instead of being so that. cynical about Game of Thrones, let's be very positive and upbeat about Study Hall, <laughs> the big part two episode. 
Who are we going to listen to in this episode today, Liz? We have a number of great guests today. We're going to be starting out with Nicholas Jenkins, who's joining us from Complexly. We also have Caroline Palumbo mm-hmm. and Emily Zarka joining us as well. Yeah, some really good information shared. I love Nick's storytelling capability. Mm-hmm. He tells some great stories and he connects his experience to the online classroom. So really good nuggets came out of that conversation. Yeah, We'll kind of talk about it after because there's so many things to unpack. Why don't we get into this? Oh, Let's I just want before we get started, we're focusing on production this time. So this is, you know, something that you as instructional designers listening and instructors listening, share this out to your media producers that work with you at your universities, your institutions, and share with them our experience. Ed Plus at ASU is a very transparent place and we want to share our processes. And so this is really for the nitty gritty of how we produce this study hall program on our end. And we want to see you guys... You know, benefit from our experience. There is some technical language there. And I was like, that is over my head. This might be one of those episodes where I'm like, Ricardo, what did that even mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, email us and ask us those those kinds of questions if you have them. Course stories at asu.edu. Okay, we need to jump in. This is a long one. So this is Nick Jenkins interviewed by Mary and I um, back last year. Yeah, when he was here, living here. Yeah, when he lived here. Now he's back in Missoula. We miss you. Bye, Nick. Bye, Nick. We have with us in studio, in the study hall studio, with studio the study B. hall set, in Studio B, in the Tempe campus, we have with us today, please, sir, can you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Nicholas Jenkins. I'm an executive producer for Complexly. I've worked on Crash Course, SciShow, Eons, and a few other things with that company for the last decade, and about... Two, three years ago, started working with ASU and specifically Ricardo on a show called Study Hall. Yeah, great show. And I, you know, I was a fan of all those programs. Programs? Eons, Crash Course. Were you watching your stories? I was watching my stories back (laughs) (laughs) as a young, as a young man in his mid thirties, watching these programs for years. So I am a fan of yours, Nick, even before I met you. Well, that's weird. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it is always an odd thing when you meet somebody and like, what do you do? And it's like, well, I make online educational stuff. Oh, what do you make? Crash Course. Oh my God, I got through high school because of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I told my son initially what the project was uh, that we were working with the Crash Course people. And then I mentioned it recently. I was like, yeah, with the Crash Course uh, group. And he's like, Crash Course? Like, the YouTube channel. And I was like, yeah, dude, I told you. (laughs) Dad's cool. (laughs) He's very cool. I got to meet all the little animated characters. (laughs) And this has pretty much consumed your life, Ricardo. And I'm sure, Nick, because this is your full-time gig, it is absolutely consuming for you. But Study Hall is a big part of what this studio has produced in the last year, two years. Yes. Years. (laughs) Last year specifically, I think, depends on what you mean by studio. Do you mean the production team or the actual place? Mm -hmm. The production team, yes. But the the actual place, when we started doing this, we were all over campus. Right, right. We yeah. would do, we started them out as field shoots. Yeah. So we would take a lab classroom and, uh, you know, set up all the lights and, and do some set dressing within that space. But then eventually we had the studio completed and we moved all that production to here. Yeah, which is much, much lower stress. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, yeah, because I can just leave this overnight and not worry that someone's going to come in and start moving microscopes around or anything oh, like yeah, that. When you're a small production team, I think th- for me, the worst part is the setup and breakdown. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's awful because you've just spent all day <laughs> right. 
shooting, you're exhausted and like, oh, now I have to break everything down right. only to get here tomorrow morning very early mm-hmm. and set it all up again. Mm-hmm. And I would like to tell a story from that first round of things. We were in our biology lab across campus and we'll talk a little bit about how the remote system works, but I had to bring a, a video card over and I ran all the way back to the studio area over here across the other side of campus, ran all the way back. And as I was getting into the elevator, I pulled out the card from my pocket. The card fell down through the crack of the elevator, down the elevator chute. And we're like, we're on a call with the whole Complexly crew. Mm-hmm. We've got our talent in there waiting. And I'm dropping cards down elevator shafts. And uh, I just want to say I'm sorry for that, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, Nick, uh, let's go ahead and backtrack a little bit about, about your career and what led you to study hall. I freelanced, but teaching was always the thing that I ended up wanting to do. But then Hank and John Green, who I had never heard of, decided they wanted to make a YouTube channel. And Hank happened to live in Missoula, Montana. And as he was putting out feelers about finding people to work on the production team, I had actually followed rules that were given to me, which was if you want to freelance, you got to create a website. Mm-hmm. So I created a website, never got anything off of this website. I was just like, well, I'm supposed to do it. So I did it. And then it turned out that Hank's assistant was just Googling Missoula or Montana directors. Uh-huh. And mine was the first one to pop up right. on the Google search. And so that that investment in that website paid off. Nice. And um, they called me in and I didn't, I've told the story before that I didn't even know it was a job interview. I thought they were just sort of picking my brain about how they could staff and the tech they would need, stuff like that. And eventually, I think his assistant, Hank's assistant, could tell that I was like not really engaging very much. And and he said, no, 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 no. We want to pay you to work for us. I was like, oh, well, okay. We can do that. And so that was the beginning of Crash Course and SciShow. Mm -hmm. And I started working on that. And for a while, it was teaching freelance and doing that job. Eventually, started to weed out freelance. And then eventually, they were like, what do you need to make so that you can stop teaching and just focus on this? Mm -hmm. Because we want this to be your full-time gig. And so we finally got to that point where I could no longer uh, be teaching and been doing this ever since. Went from being hired as a director to working as a director editor to working as a producer to working as an executive producer at this point. So Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. the last 10 years, that's been the journey. And my current project is working with Ricardo and a bunch of different people on the Study Hall Project, which is a partnership between Crash Course, the brand, YouTube and ASU right. to make online videos. And YouTube like proper. Yes. Not like it's not it's an it's a YouTube channel. No, it's a it's it's a, no, a YouTube partnership. has yes, YouTube is partnered with us. Right. So. You're not just putting your stuff online like I could do. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing that too. But but yes, no, YouTube is is a big part of this uh partnership. We all all three entities signed contracts. Right, right. So that's what we're doing. So we're gonna have some links on our show page that's going to have uh, examples of of crash course videos but could you give us a, a brief description of what those videos are so crash course came about because john green specifically mm-hmm. uh, wanted to help people get through their courses <laughs> but in a way that would be fun and engaging mm-hmm. and funny and Yes, teach to a standard, but also talk about things that aren't necessarily talked about in the classroom. Right. Think about different perspectives. Think about how we normally talk about these things and whose perspective that is from. And so that became Crash Course. We started with biology in the Missoula office and then world history in 
the Indianapolis office mm-hmm. with John Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hank and I worked out of Missoula. Wasn't really taking hold at first. Like mm-hmm. it was it was doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we were basically just self-promoting most of it. And right. then we had one episode of World History that really took off. And then it started to, over the years, we started to see it get put into classrooms. Teachers were using it not only to help their students and kind of assign it as homework, mm-hmm. but also use it to help like prep for lectures. Yeah. And so it was a tool. And that was the thing that became really important to me was it's not just for helping the students. It was also about helping the teachers. Right. And was it in the form where it had animated characters involved in it too at that early stage? Yeah, we've changed some of the visuals around a little bit, especially like set design and things like that mm-hmm. to be a little bit yeah. more consistent across the board. But in general, what you see now is basically what was what was seen then. Mm-hmm. It was working with Thought Cafe for animation, especially in Indianapolis. In Missoula, we had a really good friend of mine, Amber Bushnell, working on animations and sort of art design Mm -hmm. for everything in the Missoula office. But when she moved on to a different career, we just went with Thought Cafe as well. So Mm -hmm. it's always been kind of that vibe for the whole thing. Yeah. And now there's over 45 courses in Crash Course. You started with just a couple of these core competencies and then really expanded to very interesting topics. The first one I see, because it's in alphabetical order, artificial intelligence. Yes. These are ones that I would watch myself, not just suggest to my kids. Oh, Mary, they're so good. <laughs> I watch them all the time. <laughs> I think I need to start watching the Crash Course videos. You can go to youtube.com slash Crash Course. There you go. When we first started, we had the budget to do two shows a year. And then that has expanded with the addition of obviously our ad revenue, but also outside partners we work with, like PBS, Digital Studios, mm-hmm. um, has funded a lot of what we've done. There have been partners outside of that, the Gates Foundation, things like that, as well as Patreon allows us to be much more able to do things that we feel are both necessary, but also be able to say, wouldn't this be neat? So we can have both of those things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And they're downloadable as well. So if someone wants to go, I mean, they could embed them. On Crash Course, on the website, yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking around. It's kind of (laughs) neat. Mostly we did that because a lot of schools block YouTube. Yeah, exactly. So we wanted teachers to have the ability to just go grab it, go download it. So Mm -hmm. cool. Is there anything you can share anecdotally about experiences that educators have had? There are two anecdotes I can look at. The, The first is, let's say, more channel-wide, and then there's personal, Mm -hmm. okay? So the first thing would be getting to hear back from teachers, whether it be through comments or whether they send us direct messages, emails, whatever it may be, of just how much of a rock (laughs) Crash Course is for them because it allows them to help think about how they'll build their semester out or their year out um, for a particular piece of information, how they can spend more time working with students as opposed to just having to spend an hour lecturing about something. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know what? Yeah, in a lecture, this takes a long time. But in a video, it's only 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So here, watch this video. So tomorrow when we come in, we can talk about the thing as opposed to having to go through a bunch of dates and everything. Or you can say, here's an overview in the video. Let's focus on this one thing today. So it allows people to have more quality. I don't want to say quality time because a lecture can be quality time. But it allows them to ha- to be able to be more thoughtful about how they spend their time with students. Mm-hmm. And I think that is great. Mm-hmm. And that was actually what I really wanted to do. I had a major hand in our Crash Course film series. 
And it came from the idea of, I spend so much time talking about film history and sort of going from point A to point B with technology and inventions and uh, the advents of techniques that I don't get to sit with them and actually talk about editing techniques of their own mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, I want to build this so teachers can just use this to say, here, get caught up on all the history because mm -hmm. these are fun and Craig Benzine hosts them and everybody loves Craig Benzine. So let's do that. And then we'll spend one-on-one -on -one time together actually working on specific things. And mm -hmm. so that's the big one. It is far more meaningful to flip the classroom, which is the pedagogical approach there. Yeah. Having them watch the lecture before they come to class and then having that intentional conversation to unpack what they watched. Yes. And why it was meaningful. In addition to the one-on-one -on -one time, just being able to like cognitively reflect on what you've watched with a, a facilitator who's educated like your teacher mm -hmm. is a huge pedagogical benefit. Absolutely. And even if there's something that like you teach different visions of, you can say, well, here's this one vision. Now let's springboard off of this to talk mm -hmm. about another way of looking at this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fine as well. Huge. And then for me, the biggest anecdote was I was at the very, my very first VidCon, which is a convention that Hank and John Green used to put on, then they sold it to Viacom. And they're still part of the same family. Like I know it, most people who work at VidCon. Mm -hmm. But I went to my first one and somebody was able to identify me and ask me to sign their graduation cap. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and I've never, I, I've never had that feeling mm -hmm. before or after. It was, it was really wild. And it was, it was a moment of, oh, crap, I think we're doing what we wanted to do. Right. Like, I think I think this is, is actually helping people. And that's the thing that I've always enjoyed about working at Complexly is that what we're doing is trying to help people. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean we're a perfect company. It doesn't mean that every project we work on works exactly the way we want it to. But we're always trying to make stuff that helps people, whether it's broad, like understand the world mm -hmm. a little bit better, or whether it's a little more narrow than that and just like understand this topic mm -hmm. a little bit better or just help people get through school. So yeah, those are my two big ones. It's just like getting to hear back from people about flipping the classroom, as you say, or just somebody acknowledging like to me personally, to say like you helped me get through high school, like amazing. Mm -hmm. You're elevating teaching for the people who are a part of Crash Course, for the people who are using Crash Course. So you're still kind of a teacher. That's how I've always felt about it, mm -hmm. which is why I'm not heartbroken that I'm not in front of the classroom, right? Like, I still want to do that. Like, my vision, I think, is to retire and teach at a community college. Mm. I think that's what I'd like to do. I may go back to teaching someday before that. I don't know. But because there is a there's a rush to being in front of a classroom mm -hmm. that I definitely miss. There's mm -hmm. also immediate feedback from being in front of a classroom. Yes. That, you know, you can walk out and go, I did a good job today or I did a bad job today because I've had both experiences. Mm -hmm. But that is also nice. There is a thing about uploading videos where you're like, I don't know if this is working. <laughs> and get, get your feedback from the comments. Yeah. And, you know, and launching a new channel is hard. So all mm -hmm. of that goes into it. And you're just sort of like, I, I hope this is working. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. We think it is. Mm -hmm. We think we did all of the right things, mm -hmm. but we won't know. So having that immediate feedback, even from a classroom and feeling energy. I, I, I imagine it's what like stand-up comics feel mm, or musicians mm -hmm. feel when you play in front of an audience or you do a set in front of an audience. And well, you would know, like, like that live feeling. Mm -hmm. Bombing like on stage. Well, you can't replicate <laughs> either of oh, them, yeah, yeah. right? Like, you know, and so I, bombing is bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like nobody wants to mm -hmm. bomb, but at the same time, not knowing is also bad. Mm -hmm. You sort of sit there and like, 
do I keep doing this? Mm-hmm. Do I need to ship? Do I need, what do I need to change? Do I need to change? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can learn from the automatic feedback. And I think a lot of our faculty relate to that from moving from their in-person classroom to online. And oh, is it working? Yeah. Right, I don't know. Right. I can't see their faces. <laughs> <laughs> even It's weird. Even doing this right now with you guys is like my whole team is remote. My mm-hmm. whole t- my whole team uh, on the Complexly side is across the United States. Right. They're all over the place. So I've seen them all in person one time back in July. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we're all in our houses Mm -hmm. as we're doing stuff. And so in here, it's funny because I can make a joke and I can feel the energy of you and Mary (laughs) reflecting back that it's like, yes, good joke. Mm-hmm. You know, joke worked, um, but we don't. I'm going to make comments on this later too, though. <laughs> like, how different is the way that we operate compared to how you were operating pre-pandemic? Because I know a lot of the reasons why, at least on our end, why we worked on you know figuring these processes out to do it remotely was because of the pandemic. But I wonder how different was that? So you, you were already most of your crew was remotely working at Complexly before the pandemic. So, pre-pandemic was very straightforward. We usually had two people on set and one person script supervising, Mm -hmm. give or take. It depends on the the shoot. Mm -hmm. And you were producing these out of Mozilla? Yes. We did a couple things with remote shoots where we we had worked with other teams. So, for example, uh, we did a show called Crash Course Kids, which we were working with a Canadian host, uh, Sabrina Cruz. And... She at the time, I think she was like 17, like she was very young, but mm-hmm. we we're doing a kid's show. So we're mm-hmm. like, okay, let's have a kid's host. She's based in Toronto and we're like, well, instead of flying her there, let's work with our animation team who is based in Toronto. They have a studio. So we'll call in and then we'll just have them run the shoot, but we'll be directing remotely. We actually did wind up sending a person and then I went for one shoot, but that was kind of my first taste of it. And that was way back in like 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we did that and then we went back to normal, just shooting stuff in our studios mm-hmm. in Missoula or in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And and that's with a director? Yeah. A script supervisor? Mm-hmm. And the talent? Yes. Now, oftentimes we would have sort of two people serving as kind of director sure. in, in there depending on the show because it was nice to just have – one, it was nice to have a couple people just there to physically move something if you needed to move something. Absolutely. But also, it was good to just make sure that we were all on the same page about things. And so, for me, it was me and Nicole Sweeney did a lot of stuff together in that era. And it was always good that we could look at each other and go, all right, that's me. Yeah, okay, that sounds right. And, mm-hmm. and we're, we're good with it. Or I could say something like, something's not working. Nicole, what's your opinion? Or she would go back to me and just be like, does that sound weird to you? And then we would work on getting it straightened out mm-hmm. one way or another. Mm-hmm. And then once the pandemic hit, I had stopped kind of working on Crash Course at that point because we were working on study hall. Mm-hmm. And we filmed the first couple study hall shoots in Missoula. We flew hosts from Arizona to Missoula to yeah. produce there. But then the pandemic hit. And so we had to finish those shows and shoot two more series. Mm-hmm. And we decided we've got a production team in Arizona who'd love to work on it. Mm-hmm. Flying is hard. Housing is hard. Travel in general, like even just like getting a taxi is hard at this point. So let's just keep everybody – everybody's based in Arizona for mm-hmm. this except the OG production team. Right. So let's do that. And I mean, I could throw this back to you and talk about how it worked from your perspective. Mm-hmm. 
from my perspective, it was pretty seamless. And we even really did just allow the production team to make a lot more choices for us, which was helpful to just be so we need a set that's like XYZ. Mm -hmm. And then you would send us stills or even do a video tour. Sometimes I think the one we did with Jessica was we did video, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And then the actual production was pretty straightforward. Everything seemed to work. And I think it was the thing for me that made me think, okay, I think we can do this. Do I prefer to be on set with talent? Yes, absolutely. 100%. -hmm. I do. But we now live in a world where in order to get the people we want to work on our teams, asking them to move is really challenging. And so we're like, we've proven that we can make this work remotely. Mm -hmm. So we're okay with it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, from my perspective, it was a pretty easy transition, if not a little bit nerve wracking, because it's like, is this going to work? I don't know. Right, right. Is the internet going to last all day? You know? And generally it did. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, Mm -hmm. not really any Mm -hmm. problems. And then there's like, there's an enthusiasm to it that like burnout is the wrong word for me, but I've been doing it for so long Mm -hmm. that it was really great to work with a production team who was like, I've been stuck in a studio doing XYZ for so long. This is great. Mm -hmm. This is exciting. This Mm -hmm. is something new. Mm -hmm. And so that then got my enthusiasm back up. It's like, oh, yes. Okay. Shake the cobwebs off. Sure. And and think about things in a fresh way again. So Mm -hmm. I think it was just good all around. Right. And it gave us a nice introduction to each other. Absolutely. That was a working, like we had to work together. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was also testing something at the same time. So, I don't right, know. right, right. And you're, we're, we're all behind the curtain of, you know, not actually being there. And it's like, it's, are we okay? Are we doing this okay? It's like, yeah, that actually, that's okay. And, you know, or, or figuring out how to trust each other almost too, you know, just to go, yep, we got this, you know, because there's, you can see a lot. We're using, we have the camera feed out into the Zoom call, which I guess we could probably describe that a little bit. So, we've, so what we're doing is we're filming remotely here in Arizona. We are on a Google Meet call. We have the feed of the camera with the audio from the camera or, you know, that we're recording uh, running into what's called an ATEM. It's a video switcher that then runs into this call. And so you're monitoring, you know, your team is monitoring what we're doing. They're seeing the shot exactly how it will look. They're not, you know, of course, it's going over the Internet. So you don't have, you know, complete you know, high def vision visuals of what you see, but you have a good idea of what that is. And then again, way that's, better than a webcam. Yes. Way yeah. better than a webcam. Cause we are using this uh, nicer camera. And then uh, we, on those calls, we have a producer, a producer, director, director, yeah. producer, director, script supervisor, mm-hmm. or, and sometimes more, more than one too, right? Depending yeah, on the subject, depending on the subject, but also depending on just like, uh, we have a couple people that it's like, Hey, is a little bit extra training. I'd love you to sit on, mm-hmm. sit in on mm-hmm. a couple of shoots. So, you know what this is like. And then you just have them muted and they just observe. Right, right. And then uh, and then on the studio end, we have a camera with a teleprompter and we have our talent reading that. And uh, all the while, the director and the script supervisor are monitoring that. We've got somebody working the camera uh, who's listening in because we, we're we in an ASU building. And so, there's a lot <laughs> of stuff going on. We had construction for a lot of this year that was really aggravating. And then we have somebody running the teleprompter and then usually a third person. Usually, I'm that third person. I call it the gopher role because that's like, does the talent need coffee? Do I need to go run upstairs and ask them to stop hammering for 10 minutes? Just 10 minutes, please. Just, yeah. 10, just 10 minutes, stop hammering. Yeah. Did you yeah. ever see Scrooged? 
Yes. yes. <laughs> Please stop yeah. the God hammering. <laughs> the funny thing about that, I think we should break down kind of what those roles sure. do. Yeah. Like you, you just did. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're similar to, but a little bit different and I don't know, maybe a little more nuanced than what you would find on like a film set. Mm-hmm. So we have a producer director and their responsibility is to make sure that the performance is quote unquote correct. That it's matching what we need, that the lines are communicating what they need to communicate. Mm-hmm. That is an example. Like, let's say that you had a line that said, um, well, over here, I have my 15 apples, but over here, I have 12 oranges. So, there are many different ways to read that line. One of them may be, well, see, over here, I have my 15 apples, but over here, I have my 12 oranges. Well, I've, that's going to sound weird mm-hmm. because the talent doesn't know what the sentence is trying to do. Right. So it's the director's job to come in and say, oh, actually what you're comparing there are apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. So the emphasis needs to be on apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So over here I have 15 apples Mm -hmm. and then over here are my 12 oranges. So that's the way that we want the line to be read. And there's a lot more that goes into that. Just the director's job is to say, "Mm, it sounds like you dropped a syllable on that word. Let's just get that line one more time. It's like, that's feeling like your energy is down. You want to stand up, walk around. Mm -hmm. Let's Mm -hmm. see if we can get you get your hype back up, whatever that may be. Then the script supervisor's job is to simply make sure that what the host says is what's in the script. Now, we can have a disagreement about that. The host can say, that's just not how I would say it. Mm -hmm. And then we can say, okay, that's fine. But let's get it once as written in case the way you say it creates some sort of problem Mm -hmm. that we're unaware of. So the script supervisor is the one who does that and then makes a note, ah, this was changed. Right. Um, And also the script supervisor helps with pronunciations if mm-hmm. they're in there. So, mm-hmm. well, the faculty left a pronunciation for this name that is whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, there's that. And then, yeah, on your team, it's, you know, someone who's making sure everything is in focus, making sure that the lighting hasn't changed, making sure that the host's face is not getting too shiny mm-hmm. from sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Audio is good. We're not clipping, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And then somebody who's running the teleprompter software, mm-hmm. and and then yeah, then you <laughs> the gopher, the like, gopher roll. I know. I was sitting here. The, the one of the few times I've been on set, I remember Ricardo just saying, "Nick, you want coffee?" And I was like, "Oh my god, I would love coffee. <laughs> Please get me some coffee." It's a very easy hero role <laughs> to just very to offer heroic. somebody coffee. It's very heroic though when right. you need coffee and somebody asks you, "Would you like a mm-hmm. cup of coffee?" Mm-hmm. Um, you called the talent performers, but are they performers like SAG actors, AFTRA, or are these faculty members? I believe all of them are teaching. Yes, uh, yes. All, yeah, the, all the hosts are teaching. All the hosts that are coming in through the Arizona studio. Well, and the one that's not is also a teacher. She mm-hmm. just doesn't teach here. Danielle mm-hmm. Bainbridge, she, she is a teacher. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as a partnership, we want to shine a light on the talent here at ASU. But the goal is like, we're also going to be looking for hosts elsewhere if, sure. if we're not finding what we mm-hmm. think is appropriate here. And that's what happened with Danielle, someone that we at Complexly have worked with before. Uh, ASU really loves her work. And so we were really happy to bring her on board to do more. But yeah, I think generally they're all faculty. Emily Zarka, who is doing our rhetoric and composition series, is a host. She's a host of a show called Monstrum for Mm -hmm. PBS. So she is used to hosting. I believe our other two, Cassandra and Jason, are very new to everything yep. performance-wise. And they're doing wonderful, yep. by the way. They're doing they're, great. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, you know, from a director's point of view, it's very different in working. I mean, it's very different working with all actors, all mm-hmm. performers, 
in general, but still it's each one of them has different needs. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. And talents, right? Yeah. So how you say things matters clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> how you articulate your voice matters. Mm-hmm. And we're, and we're going to talk to Emily on this, uh, this episode a bit later, but, uh, I just want to say like with Emily, it's like, you're getting like, if it's an 18 minute video, you, you, you probably recorded 19 minutes. Yeah. It's the, the, the one-to-one <laughs> so ratio with Emily. Uh, we, we know we're going to get out early on the days that Emily's here. Yeah. It's always so weird because I initially started building time frames and production schedules based on Hank because that was who I worked with the right. most. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started getting other hosts coming in and it was like generally the same. It's like we we sort of budget an hour per episode to mm-hmm. film, just, just generally. Right. Which for those wondering is about 2,000 words hmm. per script. But then I started working with there were some people like Emily where it's like, geez, 20 minutes. Oh, I guess that's lunch. Right. You know, right. like they're just super, super – Fast and consistent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Knows how to work a teleprompter. <laughs> knows how to knows how to read off the teleprompter. Can you speak to anything about the script development? So our script development for study hall is very similar to our script development for Crash Course in terms of like length of time. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different because we're working with actual faculty that are kind of assigned to the project, mm-hmm. as opposed to for a Crash Course we would actually go out and we would post for like we need a consultant to come in and help us understand how this series should go mm-hmm. over 30 episodes, 50 episodes, whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. what what would this look like to be broken down into 50 episodes? Mm-hmm. And then they would do that. They would talk about like, here's what you teach in each of these classes, in each of these lectures, and here's what you need to know to pass this course. Mm-hmm. Here's what's not talked about in the course that we'd really love to see talked about somewhere. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Whereas here, we're starting from people who are assigned. So we have a history faculty coming in. Mm -hmm. History faculty creates an outline, episode list, creates bullet points that say, here's everything that needs to be in this episode. Right. These things you can't leave out. Right, right. um, Because this is very important for the course. We then hire freelance writers Mm -hmm. to take that outline and make scripts. Then the scripts are shared back with fact checkers and the faculty to make sure, yes, this all is correct. Mm -hmm. And then we work from a standpoint of like, okay, it's all correct, but is it intriguing? Is it interesting? Is it something that is compelling you to get from minute one to minute two to minute 10? Right. And you're often telling a story, right? You're introducing a character who's involved in some way with the subject. Trying to. Trying to. It's not always the case. Like, you know, when you're doing a biology episode, sometimes it's just like, well, we're talking about ATP respiration. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. don't know. We don't know how to make a story out of this. So let's just talk about the facts. But let's try to also look at it and say like, okay, is there some way to lead people through this? information that is more compelling than just saying, this is how you figure this out, X, Y, Z. So we do that. Then after the faculty and fact checkers have looked at it, our script editors look at it again to say like, okay, well, here's all of the correct information. Does it all work now? We're not always going to get 100% to mm-hmm. where we want to go. We just want to be like, yeah, okay, this feels right. Then at that point, it's shared with producers. And then we schedule shoots for however many episodes we're going to do. So the biggest difference, though, is the working with actual faculty, teams of faculty, and instructional designers versus just a consultant. Mm -hmm. Because all of these videos are being plugged into actual online courses. Right. So we want to make sure that they're A, accurate, but B, actually serve the course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're pedagogically sound. Yeah. They have alignment. That's the word we use. Alignment. Yes. QM thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
So tell us what excites you most about study hall. The thing that excites me the most about study hall is getting to work with an actual university to know a what students are struggling with and what they possibly need the most help with. Like that's something that has always eluded us. Like we can see comments, but a comment is an individual anecdotal experience. So, and the, the amount of math you have to do to make that make sense into what people most need help with. So having access to an entire entity that is trying to also figure out where are the biggest gaps, what are people struggling with the most so that we can work towards helping that. I think is exciting and something that really makes me value my time on stuff like this. The other thing would be doing something that is still in line with this idea of I'm a teacher and I'm working in education, but it's different even now. So I've worked in front of the classroom. I was also really working hard at marshalling the faculty at University of Montana to do more online classes. I have an anecdote about that. I'll tell you in a second. Um, And so I was trying to do it there because we had students who were all over the world as well, and they couldn't make it to in-person classes. Then they get to work on Crash Course and SciShow, Eons. But then now doing it again, but it's different again. I'm working with a different team. I'm working in a different place, like with different remote shoots. I moved to Arizona for a while. <laughs> um, and so there's there's that exciting part of it where it's like it's in the same industry, but it's different. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the same thing I've been doing for 10 years. Right. Uh, and it's trying to it's trying to solve different problems. Our fast guides that we've put out are one of the things that I am most proud of out of everything I've ever done. Because when I talked about being a graphic designer and making that choice, mm-hmm. it was because I didn't have access to people to give me advice mm-hmm. on what I should do or what this degree will look like. So now what are we doing? We're creating 12 video, 20 already, but we've, we're going to be creating 12 a year after that of just, here's what this college major entails. Right. And here are possible careers you could have afterward. Oh, that's great. Here are the pitfalls. Here are the things to watch out for. And here are possible salaries, you know, based on 2022 numbers. Sure. Take it times two kits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little uh, depressing when in the, in the, oh. in the shoots, I'm like, oh, yeah. wow, that's all they're making? Oh, no. And it's weird, too, because it's like, it's not that the number itself is so low. It's mm-hmm. that, that we've talked about everything that goes into it. And then right. you reach out and you're like, yeah, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. What, but what, what, why? Yeah. Passion. Passion's why. Soul's journey. <laughs> that's the selling point. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing that like really drives me to do more mm-hmm. is because I think that those things are very helpful. And we're starting to see early responses back that I'm right, that mm-hmm. they are, because these things have been missing. Mm-hmm. There's also this weird fog around who you're supposed to go to for this advice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, People say, well, why didn't you go to this person? And I'm like, I didn't even know that person existed. And even right. if I did, who, how, who are, right. who do I find out who they are? Where My are they? oldest kids are going through that right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really frustrating. Absolutely. And it detracts from the actual journey that they want to be on. Yes. Having the ability to watch a video that tells you all the questions you have in one mm-hmm. solid answer is huge. It is. It's huge. And it, it gives me meaning in what we're doing. But also it reminds me of like, yes, I too had this struggle. (laughs) Um, And I ended up in a degree I didn't want to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't horrible. It taught me a lot. That's the other thing that I want to try to do with a lot of this is like, 
at the end of the day, almost everything we do a fast guide on, it does say similar things like this is going to help you with problem solving. Mm -hmm. This is going to help you with communication. This is going to help you X, Y, Z. And there are a lot of similar things. And I think most, not all, but most college degrees should be doing some work that is on a similar level Mm -hmm. of – Yes, this is teaching you to be a person (laughs) in society, but also here are the specifics and here's the specialization. Mm -hmm. This is going to lead you down. Like if you really want to study people, you might think I want to be a sociologist, but no, actually, if you want to study people, you probably want to be a psychologist because a sociologist is going to be studying a lot of like graphs and numbers Mm -hmm. and population density stuff and like things like that and historical context over time kinds of things. Whereas if you're just interested in how people think and how they react and the weirdness of the human mind, mm-hmm. psychology is going to be more for you. And I don't want to get halfway through a sociology degree before I realize that. Absolutely. Right, right. But you can watch a 10 minute video. A 10 minute video. And go, oh, that's probably not for me. Right. And I mean, this is funny because this is like, this is one of the main reasons I go to YouTube because I'm kind of a guitar collector. Mm-hmm. Like not not a huge collector, but I do a lot of buying and selling and trading. Fun. I got a guy. You should talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's YouTube is a lot of times I just go to watch a review on the guitar and go, oh, no, that's not for me. Right. That's it. I thought it might be because this one person was playing it, but now I understand exactly what that guitar is for. Mm-hmm. And so never mind. And I think that that's super valuable, especially when you're making big, long-term, expensive decisions about your future. Right. Like, why is there not a 10-minute video that says, hey, mm-hmm. in case you wanted to go into biology, mm-hmm. here's what you might be able to do afterward. And you can go like, I don't want to do any of those things. Right. You know? Right. And then the how to college, like you said about big expensive purchases, it's going to just tell you what the differences are in loans. Yes. So, there's, it's, not, it's yeah. not just the academics of going to college. It is the experience of going to college as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, back in our day, if we wanted to explore some kind of profession, we would have to find a person in that profession, find time with them, know the right questions to ask to get the right answers. So, this is filling a huge gap. I hope it is. I really do. I feel like it's going in the right direction. I think the whole team feels that way. I think that we all feel like these are important, <laughs> maybe more important than we initially thought they were. Mm-hmm. We all thought like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And then I think when the first ones were done, we were like, oh no, these are like super important mm-hmm. because there's nothing else quite like it. Not Especially not like you might find a person who is a nurse right. on their own channel talking about here's what a nursing degree is like. Mm -hmm. But if what if instead you have a whole channel where you can just go through and like, "Ah, I'm interested in finding out about history degrees, you know, or criminology degree or something like that. Like, I'm really interested in criminology, but there's not really a lot to do with it outside of X, Y, Z. That's okay. I'm still interested in it. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Because like the other thing we want to try to make a point of is your degree does not dictate the sole journey of your life. Right. Absolutely not. It does make you a well-rounded person, though. So, there is value in pursuing a degree. Oh, absolutely. Yes. 100%. I would say my thing is, though, unless you have a very specific career in mind, you don't have to worry too much about that end here are your career opportunities. Because mm-hmm. I've met plenty of people who have degrees in bioengineering who became novelists or mm-hmm. people who are sociologists who became filmmakers. Your degree just helps you grow. And yeah, it might be something that you're super passionate about and you're like, no, I just want to spend the rest of my life doing this thing. But also, you know, as a psychology degree, you have a better understanding of people. So now you're better playwright. 
mm-hmm. because you you understand how people communicate with each other or it sparked some other interest you have. Like I got my psychology degree and realized I was really fascinated by medical research in this particular direction. So I went and I decided I'm going to get my master's in that and that leads you down a different path. So yeah, I think the journey of school is a big part of it beyond just like my degree is X. And so mm-hmm. therefore I'm focusing on X for the rest of my entire life. Like, no, 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 no. The journey is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. At least that's my take on it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, I was a theater major purely to avoid math. So there are those paths available. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a I was a graphic design major purely because I wanted to get into filmmaking in some roundabout way. But I mm-hmm. had convinced myself that, I well, I can't just go into film. I, mm-hmm. I can't just do what I want. No. <laughs> but you can. But I think there's some pent-up trauma I have there. <laughs> like, I'm not allowed to do what I want. <sighs> so I have to do something that I can – in some way, make sense of it making money. And yet, I ended up working as a producer. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, Nick. So, we usually end these by uh, asking where the course ends for students. But, I mean, study hall, where where does that end for viewers? And, 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 and yeah, how any, does the story end? How does the story end? Where, where are we going? I guess it, I would say no, other people may disagree with me about this. This, who are on the team. And I think that's fine. Uh, I am so heavily focused on production mm-hmm. that I could be being maybe a little bit short-sighted here. So let's go take that caveat. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer. I, disclaimer. Yeah. I think the story for study hall doesn't end, but it possibly pauses after you're probably about six months to a year out of formal education. Mm. But then there's the pay it forward idea. Mm-hmm. Where the pay it forward idea here is simply just like, if these are helpful to you or were helpful to you, then give them to someone else who needs it. Share right. them. Just say like, hey, this helped me. And then it starts a different journey with a different person. Or maybe you've got your own kids mm-hmm. um, that are going to need this. Or maybe you've got nieces and nephews. I know one of our team members has a sister who's getting ready to go to college. And a lot of this stuff on how to college has been super helpful right. for her. In terms of like individual, once you've figured out how to, you know, if you're paying for your student loans or whatever and you've gotten what you need from them, mm-hmm. then that's probably a good place. But then I also think that like everybody knows somebody who probably needs help with right. this stuff. Right. Never. It never ends. <laughs> it's an ongoing <laughs> so, cycle. So this holiday season, uh, listeners, uh, give, the, give gift the gift of study hall. Of sharing a playlist. <laughs> Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming into the studio. Thank you for having me. Do you have anything you want to plug specifically? I think if you wanted to do something for me and the team, it would be go to youtube.com slash study hall and check out what we have there for you. And then the How to College show that you were just talking about Mm -hmm. exists on the Crash Course channel. Mm -hmm. So you can just go to youtube.com slash Crash Course and check out How to College. And again, share that if you know somebody who's getting ready to think about college. Not getting ready to go to college, getting ready to think about college. Right. That's where you should start Mm -hmm. (laughs) is with How to College because there's a lot of early questions that we try to help people answer. So we're looking at you, high school teachers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Go to Crash Course How to College and share this with your kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. High school teachers, guidance counselors, parents. When your kids, I would say, probably reaching the end of their sophomore year Mm -hmm. in high school – this is the time to sort of say, hey, let's let's sit down and watch this. And these videos are super accessible, super yeah. fun. There's a lot of humor. There's animation. They're really entertaining pieces of content. Hosted by the wonderful Erica Brozovsky. Yes, yes. Um, from other words, she's great. Yeah. I hope we get to work with her again because she was really fun to work with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, blast. And then, you know, Nick, it's been a pleasure having you here with us today, but also just in general. 
it's great that Nick actually has this uh, teaching, education, background. teaching background yeah. that, that he's able to keep the uh, course designers interested as we, we go through this episode. We mentioned this in our conversation with Nick, like, well, and he mentioned it, like, are they even watching? Do they even care? Like when you leave mm-hmm. the classroom and you go and you're doing things in these video spaces. So we did want to highlight that at least for ASU Online in our Wistia server, which most of our videos live in there at this time, there's an analytics option. So you can actually see faculty where your students are dropping off, how many of them are watching, where are they at in the nation when they're watching, mm-hmm. um, which is a really cool feature. So if you've never accessed your Wistia folder to look at analytics, we highly recommend because you do actually kind of have the ability to see how your students are doing and see those faces, if you will, through the analytics system. Okay, so Mary, you had some questions about the types of media. Yeah, so they mentioned the FAST guides. Mm-hmm. So like, is that like a document? Is that a video? What is that? So there are three different types of media that are being produced as part of Study Hall. Aubrey, do you want to share what those three things are? Yeah, so they have obviously the College Foundation courses, mm-hmm. which are the four different series that go on each year. Yeah, that's that, the meat of it. Yes, that's, you know, our students are able to get college credit through those courses. We heard mm-hmm. a lot about that in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> um, there's also fast guides, which mm-hmm. are very short, condensed. They try to keep these videos around, you know, 10 minutes. Uh, they're just really quick videos that will talk about a specific major, you know, the pros and the cons of what students might mm-hmm. think or not think about when before or first before going into this major. And then yeah. also they- Some things they can expect in terms of like salary, in yeah. terms of the courses they'll take. And skill building, he said, too, because he was like, there's like a through line between certain skills, even among very different disciplines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just showing like- Yeah, they'll give you like, if you like this, then you might like to do this, you know? So they're really cool. I mean, they're really just great pieces of content for for people who are thinking about going to college. Sounds like it's like a pocket advisor, pocket career counselor, just to kind of have on hand. And I think that for so many students who are- um, on the fence, on right? On the fence, yeah. or just trying to just trying to figure out what they want to do next. Like that can be so incredibly helpful to make sure that they're effectively pursuing their goals and mm. making sure that they're taking the right classes. Because there's nothing worse than taking a class and then realizing you didn't need it later. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of feeds into the third type of content that they're producing is the How to College. Yeah, How to College series. So those are also, I mean, as most study hall videos are, short, condensed. They'll typically go over each video as like a specific topic or question that students might have, you know, of like how to college, how to sign up for classes, maybe best ways to get involved on campus. So stuff like that. So are these specific to ASU or are they just more general? They're general. So you do, if you do take the credits, you do get credits through ASU, but it's very agnostic in terms of if, you, if you're benefiting from it. There's, it's not like you have to go to ASU because you watch these videos. Yeah. So, I mean, we make a joke about it, give the gift of study hall to some prospective college student in your life, but it is really a really great asset to those, you know, people who are thinking about going to college. So uh, as Aubrey said, the, the, the meat of what we do is the College Foundation Series. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So right now, this year, we had four different College Foundation series being worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them are actually shot, filmed, um, worked on here in Tempe, mm-hmm. at ASU campus. Um, The other two are filmed in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. I work with two producers from Complexly. Um, Sheridan Gibson is out of Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And the two series, Power and Politics in U.S. Government and also Code and Programming for Beginners. Mm -hmm. 
and the other two series that I work with Caroline Palumbo on mm -hmm. are Modern World History and Intro to Human Psychology. Yes, yes. And Caroline actually comes to Arizona and directs here uh, in the room. I think we talked uh, quite a bit with Nick about how we did it uh, remotely. And now we've kind of seen the benefit of having actual people in. And Caroline will talk about that a little bit. So yeah, let's go ahead and hear uh, Caroline, Matt. Uh, so my boss and Aubrey's boss, Matthew Robinson, is the Associate Director of New Media at Ed Plus, And he is interviewing Caroline. Hello, I'm Matthew Robinson. I am the Associate Director of the New Media Team here at Ed Plus, and I'm joined today by... I'm Caroline Palumbo, and I am a producer-director with Complexly. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Caroline, do you want to speak a little bit about your role with the Study Hall Project? Yeah. So I'm a producer director with Study Hall and I kind of jumped in mid-show and took over for Sheridan and Nick on math and human communication. And now I am able to completely start a show from the ground up and I'm working on world history, which we shot today, and psychology. Being a producer director for Study Hall, it's kind of all-encompassing because I'm managing the team, I'm managing crew and talent, but I'm also directing talent and I'm also pseudo set designer. So we kind of did a bit of a very quick set build yesterday and the day prior flying in from Oklahoma to set up and just praying all the props were here and nothing was broken and everything was as pictured. So I'm kind of a it's jack of all trades, I guess, being in this role. Yeah, it's interesting that your experience so much mirrors kind of, I think, our experience with Study Hall and that, you know, my team took over in the pandemic to fill in when production well, travel for production was basically a no go. And so we had to still shoot with faculty or, or hosts that were here in Arizona and everything was remote and we didn't really know anyone that we were interacting with across the other line. And and then now cut to what a couple of years later and, and you're physically here directing the episode and we're all kind of working as one collective team. It's just a really interesting kind of evolution. So I know a big part of the process is in the actual production, which is relatively small in, in terms of the actual time spent on an episode, right? We shoot an episode in an hour or something roughly. Can you talk a little bit about what happens kind of after the, the, the process is done? I know my team takes care of uh, the initial cut uh, of the episode uh, and then we'll refine that cut, but uh, there's other people involved, other teams involved, right, in the post-production process. Yeah. So once we're kind of wrapped up with shooting and Arizona State gives us the cut, I basically review it and see if it looks good. And I will take that cut and pair it with the script to make sure no lines were cut out or anything was left in that shouldn't be left in. And then I'll go through and annotate the script with B-roll. So Thought Cafe, our animators, will know not to waste their time B-rolling something that's already going to have coverage. Um, so once I get that kind of all set up and cleaned up and cut for them, I'll send over a MP4 over to Thought Cafe. And they, I would love to be able to speak of what they actually do, but it's kind of just magic to me how quickly they pull this out. Um, so they get an episode and they annotate everything that I haven't B-rolled. And I'll be able to go through and kind of skim through their annotations to see if it's kind of matching with what I'm thinking. Um, but their creative director will take, for example, like, um, let's say we're talking about human, human communication and we're talking about social media and we're giving an example about a 14-year-old who is trying to figure out how to manage her mental health and social media. They will do a complete um, 
school, they'll build a school out of nothing. I don't know if they're basing it off of reference photos, but it's so fun to watch what they come back with because they'll come back with full-blown family members. They will have her friends done. Everyone's unique. I don't see a ton of repeat characters, which is wild. And I know a lot of people might think this looks like simple animation. And it's easy to say that from afar, that something looks simple. But I feel like the effort that goes into not just animating it, they have to illustrate it first, which is a completely different department. To illustrate a character, animate it, and kick it back to me in probably like under four weeks is insanely wild because I'm used to working with in-house animators and not being able to constantly be over their shoulder for at first was a little jarring for me. I don't like to be a helicopter parent, but I kind of am. And I'm also nosy. So not being able to just walk into their office and be like, what are you doing? How long is it going to take? Is it done? Being just having to just trust in the powers that be and hand off an episode and know that I'm going to get a quality product back from Thought Cafe. Um it just, I had to rewire my brain a little bit because you have to trust like a new group of people that you never met. But every time they just deliver such great, great quality animation and I love it. I'll send them notes all the time. I'll be like, this little Eddie from Stranger Things that you animated is so cute. <laughs> it is now my background on my phone. So, um, and after animation, I get it back and I review it, make sure it's good. And that's when it goes back to Arizona University's faculty and their instructional IDs to make sure nothing nothing might necessarily come off. I don't want to use the word offensive, but nothing that we animated might seem insensitive because we have to be careful about animating certain, um, certain ethnicities, certain races, religions, stuff like that. You don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to make anyone feel not represented correctly. Um, Because that's one thing I think we strive really hard at Study Hall visually is to make sure we're giving viewers, because this is global, anyone can watch it, that everyone kind of sees themselves in a Study Hall episode, even if you're learning about math. Anyways, after we get faculty review back, then it goes off to our sound department, and they're amazing. They're hilarious. They can take a joke that was funny with just animation on it, but a sound effect effect of like a guy slipping and falling in the mall had me like crying laughing at my computer I kept backing it up I had like my boyfriend come in to watch it because I just thought it was so funny um so after sound takes it over I do a final review and then I give it to ASU and it goes up on YouTube and then I scroll through to make sure all the comments are nice (laughs) (laughs) so um I'm curious because you get to kind of see this thing like this this episode like essentially sort of lives in your head for a while and you see it go through a scripting process, and you actually see the main part of it get filmed, and then you get these animations. Like, what what is that like? What, what's the sort of feeling at the end of uh, getting to see that final cut of an episode and kind of send it off to go to up, upload to YouTube? Yeah, it's almost like a relief when you get it back because, like, you have this idea in your head of what it's going to look like, and sometimes what you imagine in your head isn't necessarily what the end product is. And sometimes what you imagine in your head isn't what the end product should be. And sometimes I get stuff back and I'm like, that is not at all what I was necessarily thinking this was going to end up looking like, but it's better than what I thought. So far in my nine months I've worked here, I've never gotten a video back or an animation back or a cut back where I was like, this completely missed the mark, Um, which is just very refreshing um, so yeah, I love being able to see something that is just like, cause so many people work on it. It's all these little like 
brain children <laughs> running around. And then somehow we can all come together and take just little chunks of our brain and magically produce like a 10 minute episode in a month that is educational. It's fun. Sometimes they're insightful. And sometimes they even me watching a um, history episode. There's so much stuff that I don't even remember learning about in high school. And to be honestly, they probably skimmed over a lot of what study hall is teaching in history. Um, so be able to see everyone come together with their ideas. And maybe if I'm visualizing something different and I can feel very confident to go to anyone on the team, even and be like, well, this isn't actually how I saw it. So maybe what if we do this? And everyone's super responsive to that. And I'm also very, very pro people telling me no. <laughs> so that I'm very happy if someone's like, no, I think this works better. And I'm like, okay, you're probably right. <laughs> So yeah, I'm curious. I know, I know from where we're, we get involved in the production process to the end product, like you are very involved, and we, I kind of have a good sense of of where you know the work that you do during that time. Uh, what about sort of the scripting process? How involved are you in that? And and you know maybe give some insight of kind of what that whole process is like. Yeah. Um. So initially, I wasn't really involved in all in the writing process when I first started. Like we have freelance script writers. We tend to have two on each show. And then once they write a script, it goes to our script editors who then polish it. And then it goes to fact check and to faculty to make sure everything's copacetic. But we've changed it recently to where we do a writer's room. And even though I'm technically not on the content team, once a script is kind of getting to the point where it would be ready for production, they pull in production to kind of read through the script and toss out any ideas that could make a script funnier, make it more insightful. We always say add wonder. I don't know if I'm good at adding wonder, but I feel like I'm good at adding humor. And I really love being in those script meetings because we're all so, everyone's funny in their own way. So it's really fun to be able to riff with a script editor. Um, Levi on world history, I feel like we have a very similar sense of humor. And it's nice for us to go back and forth and be like, oh, what, what about this? And then we, we just keep building and building on a joke together. And today was the first shoot. And I the script workshop for this these scripts were so long ago that I completely forgot about most of the jokes. And I was like, oh, my God, my joke's in this. That's so cool. Like the joke that I put in. So to like see Rob, our host, be able to like nail a joke that I wrote and that our script editor, script editor Levi wrote. Um, it's just it's really fulfilling. Like it was just like not to be a dork, but it really fills your cup when you're like, oh my God, look at that. Like we did this, like, and we have great writers. We do. Um, we're involved in productions involved in hiring writers. So we'll go through and they'll submit their 30, their 300 word essay. And we'll go through about 150 writers to narrow it down to two, which is a little harrowing because sometimes you'll get everyone's really good at writing and you're like, Ooh, I didn't realize everyone's good at writing. Um, so trying to make that cut and to find people who are able to deliver the content and the information that students need, but also be able to add that sense of wonder to where you're not falling asleep during a 10 minute YouTube video about fine, about, about uh, interest rates on loans. That would make me want to fall asleep at my computer, but that's actually one of my favorite episodes in the math series was that interest rate episode. You know, and it it can sound, I think, like so much of the script is so defined, and it is by the time we actually get to the host being in front of the camera and delivering those lines and getting through you know, the episode. But I've, we've also experienced you being very flexible and kind of riffing with a host to do a line reading slightly different, or if they 
feel like they want to interject something to add either a little bit of interest or humor or whatever. And so it's to your credit that you're very flexible, I think, in those moments to let, you know, the host have a bit of personality come through. I think of like even today, like one of the props got swapped out for a more personal prop from our host, which is a really small thing, but also it's like meaningful and it speaks to the sort of flexibility of the way you're producing these episodes. Yeah, I being rigid in video production just doesn't work. It is not there is no black and white in working in video production. If you can't see a gray area and you can't be flexible. Um and I've worked not going to call names, but I've worked with people like that in past jobs and just being on set with somebody where it's their way or the highway is just it takes a wind out of yourselves. You're like, "Why am I doing this? I'm just a cog in the wheel. I'm going to make sure lunch is here on time." Like, that's not fun. That's not fun for anyone. So When I went from being like a PA or an assistant to like a producer, I was like, I don't want to run sets that way. Like I want everyone's opinion. Everyone here is very smart. You can't have a crew that you don't trust. And I trust everyone on this crew. So I trust everyone to come through with ideas. Like Ricardo was chiming in with stuff that I was like, thank God, because I was looking at my script. I wasn't looking at the monitor. So I didn't notice uh, his hand went into the light or his hair fell down. Um, But I I know a lot of people who they would view that as overstepping and like, you're not the director, I'm the director. But here I'm like, yeah, on paper, I'm the director and I'm definitely everything, the buck stops with me on the shoot, but I want everyone's opinion. Like you don't create movies in a vacuum. You don't create YouTube in a vacuum. There's so many people that go into this process and one person not being here, it wouldn't work. So yeah, there's a, there's a video that's like viral right now. At least it's going around a lot of the like um, Arizona production filmmaker groups uh, of this guy who's going around on set to like everyone's like, say cut, get it out right now. You know, cause like someone said cut and it wasn't him, the director. And so he's going around to every person making sure that they say cut and get it out of their system. So we don't have any miscommunications or misunderstanding about who's in charge here. And it's like, man, that's shuts down that. So you can see it just shuts down the set so quickly of anyone wanting to be there or be a part of things. And yeah, to your, to your point that that uh, any kind of video production or um, a media production tends to be a collaborative by nature and better for it. Yeah, I don't even like the word in charge. Like, I don't like to say that I'm in charge of this set. I like to think like I am a, this is going to sound so silly, like a lighthouse. Like you guys, like, I'm going to make sure you guys are set up and I'm going to take responsibility for anything that goes wrong. But like, I'm not going to boss you guys around. Like, I'm when I mean in charge, like I feel in charge should mean more like, Everything on the set is your responsibility, but it doesn't mean like I'm in charge of you. Yeah. Yeah. I always think it's like also like uh, removing barriers for your team to do, you know, the best work they can, like, which sometimes it includes you and your ideas about what your role is or or your authority is. (laughs) And and I agree there needs to be like clear roles. So no one's doing double work, but I mean, you it all boils down to trust. If you don't trust your crew, then your set isn't going to work and you're going to have a bad product. And even there's been times when the set has been terrible. And just to emphasize, none of this is about study hall. This is past experience. (laughs) When you do have a set that isn't flowing together, isn't working together, even if the product is good, I've had videos that have come out where I'm like, yeah, that looks great. I had a miserable time and I never want to look at this video again. (laughs) I don't care if it looks amazing. Just I never want to think about the shoot it's again. A bad memory, yeah. Yeah, and we what we, and I think the problem is what we boil down to our jobs. It's fun, and I think sometimes we can forget that what we do is fun. 
We don't do like manual labor. I mean, we kind of do actually. (laughs) Some of it is a little manual. As my dad says, like you're not digging ditches type thing. So yeah, it's just like, I think people can forget that what we do is fun and what we do is creative and enjoyable. And you can kind of get into like the drudge of it. But yeah. So like today was a good day of reminding myself that even though I was really stressed up into the shoot, I was like, what we do is really fun. I had a great time on set and I will forget the stress until I have to go back and like prep for the other one. And then I'll be like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> it's light blue collar work. Right? Light blue collar. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, paisley pastel. Pa- yeah. Pastel yeah. color. <laughs> oh, well, Caroline, it's been a pleasure talking to you today about uh, your role with study hall. And it's always a pleasure to work with you. So yeah, thanks for that. I'm excited to keep coming back to Arizona. I prefer being here versus seeing you guys in a little zoom screen. <laughs> so. Okay. So now we are almost done. We're almost completed season four of Core Stories. Uh, we have one more interview. One of my favorite people who's ever come into the studio, Emily Zarka. She's a delight. She's a delight. Dr. Emily Zarka. Dr. Emily Zarka, who is the monster expert, like the monster expert of the world basically, as far as I'm concerned, for sure. Well, she definitely has a wonderful episode on season three, episode seven. Yes. Branding your pedagogy, which I think aligns very well with the thematic prepare, be intentional throughout this entire series with Study Hall. Yeah. And if you want to find out her her whole journey into how she became the monster expert, definitely go check that episode out. It's really good stuff. And then go check out her videos. They're wonderful. And uh, she's one of our best hosts too. And I'll gush over her over the interview as well. Uh, So yeah, let's take it away with uh, me and uh, Dr. Emily Zarka. I'm Emily Zarka. I am the host of Rhetoric and Composition for Crash Course and ASU's collaboration Study Hall, one of the many wonderful professors who get to do something so cool like Study Hall and take learning to the masses. Great, great. So Emily, can you please tell us what was your history with Study Hall? My history with Study Hall is a little unique in that I had a connection to Crash Course through PBS. Mm -hmm. I hadn't worked with the Complexly team myself, but I'd seen them in larger meetings Mm -hmm. Uh, with PBS. There was a little bit of familiarity there, which was excellent. But I think, I don't know exactly why ASU chose me, but I think one of the reasons besides my online presence and my public scholarship Mm -hmm. is that I've been teaching rhetoric and comp position here for a long time. And I've done so as both a graduate student and as a full professor. Mm -hmm. And I think that that learning alongside the students, or at least my pedagogy has developed. So I like to think that ASU maybe saw that like, hey, she's doing this thing and changing things up. And so why not have a professor like her do the study hall course? Mm -hmm. Could you could you tell us what it is exactly that you are teaching on study hall? Yes. On study hall, I teach rhetoric and composition. So it's a lot of the course content that you would see in English 101 and 102. I know that we already have the communication study hall and that's a little different. This Mm -hmm. is more specific to different kinds of argument formation that you'd be making not just in traditional spaces in academia, like essays or resumes, but applicable skills, like even something like how to write a professional email. We cover all of that in the course, which I think is excellent because it gives students a little bit of time to sort of dip their toes in the water and learn some of the expectations without having to fully commit to the entire higher education experience. Right, right. So what's been your favorite part of being part of Study Hall? I think the I have two favorite things being part of Study Hall. One is working with the team here at mm-hmm. M+. Honestly, y'all mm-hmm. are 
fantastic and just so welcoming from the beginning. And even, you know, the warmth that I felt from the Complexly team on Zoom was right, great. Right, because like, they're still not this really here good, with us. Yeah, there was still a really good energy in the room. And I think that's because y'all are so good at what you do and just very considerate with that. So that's one of my favorite things. And the other favorite thing I have to say is... It's selfish, but bless Crash Course because they animated some of my birds because I'm a big bird person. Oh, right, so I have right. little cartoons of my cockatiel, mm-hmm. Archie. So that gives me great joy. Um, but in more seriousness, I think the other second favorite, I guess my third favorite thing would just be, this is honestly, that this kind of teaching is getting more recognition mm-hmm. from ASU, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. Um Crash Course has obviously been doing it for a very long time and doing it very well. Mm-hmm. And I've dedicated a lot of my recent uh, efforts as a scholar to that kind of public-facing YouTube online content. And it's great that ASU is catching up mm-hmm. um, to where I think education's going. Yeah. Yeah. And not only catching up, but also kind of completely embracing it yes. and even offering it uh, exactly. for credit. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so tell me a little bit about the process mm-hmm. uh, from because you are involved a little bit in the scripting, correct? Yes. Uh, so I don't write the scripts uh, myself, but I do know that the English department and writing programs uh, collaborated a lot with uh, the Crash Course and Complexly team to make sure that the same tenants we're covering in mm-hmm. this work match up with the course goals that are on the syllabus that we mm-hmm. have here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were some great things that came down from the English department for sure. And I was not the script writer, but I did have, they let me add my own spin on things. And I would Mm -hmm. definitely chime in and say, no, I think we need to order this differently. Like I would teach this first rather than this. Um, Or I'm so glad y'all are using this as an example, or maybe we tweak things here. So I was more of a script editor, I would Mm -hmm. say, than the script writer. Mm -hmm. But because I've taught so much uh, English 101 and 102, and that's largely what the rhetoric and composition course covers. And again, I teach the exact same course goals uh, that it felt super natural and organic. And I'm like, literally, I've done this as an assignment before. So it was cool to see uh, the real world application of my comp stuff Mm -hmm. come to life. Mm -hmm. on camera. And as you said there, I mean, they're, 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 they're building you and your personality into the content. And there are little things like little Easter eggs, um, which I love that y'all let me do. Um, so even for the set design, there's the little zombie hand in Mm -hmm. the back, which is Mm -hmm. never really acknowledged. Um, (laughs) but it's there for people who know that my works with monsters and Mm -hmm. my stuff with Monstrum and yeah, little jokes about birds. And they definitely made sure that my personality, uh, was in Right. The videos. And I do think that's really, really important for mm-hmm. online engagement because a lot of the time people latch on to a channel or a course or a person because they feel a connection. And right. that also happens too in person in mm-hmm. teaching. Absolutely. So it's great to be able to put your own little spin and your own little jokes and quips, even if they don't always land. They make right. me smile. I love a good pun. So anytime we could put a pun into the script, uh-huh. I was all about it. And even if you don't like puns, you've got the cute animated characters yeah. that are going to <laughs> bolster that Exactly. A bit too. My love for ranch comes out. Yeah. Stuff right. like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Having my own, I should say not just, one of my favorite things is not just having uh, Archie animated. Is yeah, I have my own little crash course uh, animation of myself, my mm-hmm. personality. And yeah. as someone who was really inspired by crash course, in crafting Monstrum, that just mm-hmm. felt like such a full circle and wow, like super yeah. surreal moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love my little avatar. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, uh, Emily. Uh, so as we're kind of just wrapping this up real quick, uh, forget that. Yeah, uh, edit that out. Um, 
So Emily, are th- is there any advice that you could give to other instructors who might be entering uh, the study hall space, but maybe even more broadly, just the kind of like uh, YouTube kind of public facing uh, stuff? Yeah. I think the biggest thing you can do, honestly, is be yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that my initial videos, not with Study Hall, uh, but with PBS and Monstrum, struggled because I was trying to be this idea of the person I thought people wanted to see on camera. Mm-hmm. And my audience grew and I things like Study Hall opportunities came to me because I am myself on camera and behind it. Mm-hmm. So I would say just be yourself, but don't be afraid to speak up with the scripting with mm-hmm. the study hall team and mm-hmm. give your own opinions because right. it's not seen as negative criticism. It's seen as making you part of the course. And that's mm-hmm. just as important. Great. Well, Emily, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. Perfect. Woo. Need anything else from Emily? Yeah. Let's use the whole Buffalo. No, yeah. uh, I think we got everything we needed. Good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Glad. Okay, geez Louise, big season, the biggest season. I say next season, let's shrink it down. Let's what? do less. No, we have Liz now. Yeah, but let's let's get back to the old days where we had like oh you mean like ID how long people have to instructor listen instructor and how long people have to listen <laughs> how long we have to make Aubrey sit here and smile while uh, <laughs> she's like okay where's my part and also though we do want to thank you Aubrey for coming and uh, joining us. You are such an integral part of Study Hall. We had to make sure that that you were in this episode. Well, thank you so much. You guys are so sweet. Always a pleasure being here. Uh, Mary, Liz? <laughs> yeah. How are you? Oh, yeah. This Mar- is at the beginning. This is the end. Mary and Liz, you guys have anything you want to say before well, we wrap up the season? I do want to remind season? people we have the fast guides in the show notes. We have the link to Emily's episode. We have other really cool things for you to watch. Go to the show notes on teachonline.asu.edu and look for podcasts and find course stories. You can find this episode and so many more before we enter season five. Yes, I'm going to be getting ready for my hibernation between season four and five, uh, but you guys will hear from us real soon. We've got a really exciting season five for you guys, which uh, we are going to do our best to take it back to the basics and get you guys <laughs> some really great interviews. Not no for promises. the first That's episode, though. That right, first episode, right. we recorded it already. It's a big episode. But it's a good one. It's like, a good one. It's so much good stuff. This is the problem with having so many amazing people that we work with. And awesome things coming out of ASU and a lot of opportunity to share. They mm-hmm. end up being a little long. Yes. But I do want to encourage anyone. Um, we're already thinking about season six. So season five, it's it's getting ready. Yeah. But Take if a you, number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you have a story that you want to share with us, if you want to be on the podcast, uh, please reach out. It's core stories at ASU.edu. Um, find us online find us on your various platforms um, and let us know let us share your story and we'll get you set up for season six excellent bye bye course stories is available wherever you listen to podcasts you can reach us at course stories at asu.edu course stories is produced by the instructional design and new media team at ed plus at arizona state university if you're an instructor at asu online Tell us your core story, and we may feature it in a future episode. Thanks for listening.